0: If you have your Bible, your copy of God's Word, I'd ask you to turn them with me to uh, Philippians chapter 1. Um, Philippians chapter 1, uh, something you can be praying for. Uh, last week, um, as the week was getting kicked off, I am in the process of uh, recovering from a week's long trip to the magical, most magical place on earth with four insanely energetic little boys. Uh, and so you now last week I'm, I'm coming back from Disney World and I'm getting established, getting sort of trying to get into a rhythm. I'm not going to get into a rhythm until, you know, obviously office starts to get back into a rhythm and, and everybody, we seem to be in, in, in a new flow of things, a new schedule. Uh, and so Thursday though, Thursday afternoon, uh, I get a text message from Pastor John Uh, By the way, he he had planned to start a sermon uh, he'd been preparing, a sermon he'd been thinking about for several weeks um, on the centrality of the Word in the believer's life and and sort of a call for our faith family to to sort of dive into a regular rhythm of Bible intake, Bible reading. Uh, And you're going to hear that next week. But Thursday, so he sends me a text message saying, hey, I went to bed uh, with a stuffy a little bit of congestion, didn't think much about it. Uh, Thursday, woke up with the same congestion, some coughing. Uh, it turns out he tested positive for COVID, uh, which is probably in for us all, uh, this, this, new, this new bout. So he's got the, the latest strain of the virus. And so be praying for him and his recovery. Uh, and so I scrambled from that point on, realizing that I'm going to be preaching on Sunday. Um, and so I began to think about what the Lord might have me to to preach on as we begin a new year. And and this particular passage came to mind as I thought through uh, our our time together. And so Philippians chapter 1, picking up in verse 18, we're going to read through verse 26. This will be less of a, I would say, a more in-depth exposition and more of just some observations from the text that I think we can take into this year as we think about what it means to live a christ Centered or Christos, how to have a Christocentric walk uh, or a lifetime resolution even. Not just a New Year's resolution, but a lifetime resolution begins now. So this is what the text, how the text reads, beginning in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample calls to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again let's pray gracious god our father we come before you now lord really in the only way i know how in the name of christ praying that your word would permeate in our souls that i might decrease you might increase we pray that you would help us to dwell upon the richness of the gospel. And that might stir us to joy. And that joy would then overflow in our life. And We ask all that in Christ's name. Amen. So it's 2022. Start of a new year. It's generally the time where we start by making new commitments. We dig down deep, find resolve. Uh, to accomplish something big. And there's all kinds of things that you can, uh, you know, you can choose to accomplish in the new year. According to the world's most reliable resource, the internet, I feel like I should qualify, that sarcasm, so I don't get those emails. Um, these are the top ten most common New Year's resolutions. You ready? One, exercise more. Two, lose weight. I guess those go hand in hand. Uh, Number three, get organized. Number four, learn a new skill or hobby. Number five, live life to the fullest. Not even really sure what that means. Um, Number six, save your money or spend less. Um, Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, spend more time with family and friends. Number nine, travel more. Number ten, read more. Um, the same source estimates that only 46% of people who make a resolution at the beginning of the year actually accomplish those resolutions. Now, don't let that statistic discourage you. Uh, you know, don't let it discourage you from, from giving this a go, right? Right? Uh, there, there are all sorts of ways to resolve to do something extraordinary. Some people, you know, they choose, hey, I'm going to run a marathon this year. It's not me, but some people do. And there are other things people do. I was reminded the other day of this, that one year uh, my wife, Sarah, resolved to drink nothing but water for a whole year. And this was 20 years ago now. Um, but uh, a friend of ours. So, so if you know her well, I'll say this, if you know her well, she enjoys Coke. Uh it's Coca-Cola at the time. It's Diet Coke now. Um, uh, but she re- really loves Diet Coke. And so she made this resolution. I don't even think it was even in the new year. It was just she made this resolution to do this. Um, and uh, our friend of ours didn't, couldn't believe there's no way she could do it. And so he made her bet. He said, I'll give you $100 if you can make it a year. Um, without drinking anything but water. Our friend Judd, by the end of that year, was $100 lighter. Um, interesting enough, that's Anna Kate Mullinex's brother. So Anna Kate, one of our missionaries that we support, so that's her, her big brother. Anyways, uh, random connection there. But there are many ways that you can find resolve in your life. And it doesn't always have to be in the new year, as I mentioned. It doesn't always have to be temporary. It can be even a lifetime resolution. In fact, I was thinking about, I didn't, sorry, I should have asked if I could share this example. I think about Bart Fowler. Bart Fowler had a heart attack. I don't know, how many years ago was that? It was 2013. He made a resolution from that point on, I'm going to make some changes in my life. And that's been something he's stuck with his whole, since then. It wasn't just a year-long resolution. He made a lifetime resolution. In our passage this morning, we catch a glimpse in the life of a man living a lifetime resolution. Uh, His name was Paul, and he's the man who penned our passage this morning. And this passage gives us a glimpse of how Paul's life had been transformed by the power of the gospel. And because of this... He had one one single lifetime resolution, and that was to honor Christ in every aspect of his life. As redeemed sinners, transformed by the gospel, Christians ought to resolve to honor Christ with their lives and truly live a Christ-centered life or a Christocentric life. So up until this point, the Apostle Paul has been telling the, the 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 believers at Philippi, this church at Philippi, about his present situation. He's writing from a Roman prison, and uh, he, he's he's uh, you know he's th- this chained man tells us about the meaning of life and the ultimate glory in death. And despite his current situation, the theme of this letter to the church at Philippi, is joy. And in this particular passage, he tells us about a life worth living and a death worth dying. In fact, verse 21 summarizes it best for, where it says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is one of the most quoted Bible verses, I think, probably in the entire Bible. And for good reason. This is what living is all about. Christ. This is what it's all about. Living is about serving Christ, and dying is about being with Christ, to, to honor Christ with every fiber of our being. This is the, the purpose. this is our purpose in life. And in this passage, Paul provides three ways this is sort of three observations that I kind of see in the text um, that we can resolve to honor Christ, to have a Christ-centered life. First, we see Paul's resolve to honor Christ by rejoicing in Christ constantly. Verse 18. What then? Only that if only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Listen to this. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. You see, Paul and much to rejoice about. Here we find Paul praising, rejoicing in God because the gospel is being spread out around the, uh, all out around him. Because of his imprisonment, people are hearing the gospel. Prison guards are, are hearing the same gospel that transformed his own life, the same gospel that transformed his desires from being a, a, a Christian persecutor and even a terrorist to, be, to then to become a missionary church planter. You see, Paul recognized that if it weren't for the sovereign work of Jesus pursuing him on the Damascus road, he would still be in rebellion against God and dead in his own sins and trespasses. So this, this brought Paul an immense amount of joy. So we see him rejoice. But, we didn't, but, but he didn't just rejoice in his past. He tells them his plans for the future and they include rejoicing in Christ. He is confident and joyful despite his situation because his suffering can't drown out his joy. And so whether it's suffering or it's death, Paul is saying I choose joy, and I choose to rejoice in the name of the Lord. So I ask, what are your plans this new year? Maybe you have great plans. Maybe you have uh, a plan to lose tons of weight, and that's great. You should do that. Maybe you plan on going on a mission trip, and you should definitely do that. Maybe you plan on reading Uh, through the Bible in a year, and, and maybe you have no idea at all. No matter what, make this plan for your future. I will rejoice in Christ all my days. Resolve to rejoice in the good news of the gospel. Rejoice in what Christ has done on your behalf. Now, Can I be absolutely frank with you? I think we could see this in this passage. This is going to be a reality. In all likelihood, there will be some of you here, 2022, like maybe, not, not like Paul. Paul's not experiencing 2022 the way we are. But there will be some of you in 2022 who suffer tremendously. You may lose a spouse or a family member. Some of you may battle with infertility. You may have a miscarriage. You may find out that your teenage daughter is pregnant or you may find out that your son or daughter is tragically killed in a car accident. You may lose your job. You, you may hear the doctor say you have cancer and you only have six months to live. You might even experience real persecution. Now, I hate to begin your new year with this W downer, right? But this is the reality of the world we live in. It's broken. And because we live in a broken world, we experience broken realities. And even in the midst of these things, will you be able to say, as Paul is saying, God is good. Rejoice in Christ. Praise the Lord for what he has done. Rejoicing, especially in our suffering, greatly honors Jesus. This is where I find our first main point from this morning. A consistent and regular pattern of rejoicing in Christ and his provision is a mark of a maturing believer or a maturing Christian. We talked about this before, but But you rejoice in what you value. We will worship. You were created to worship. It's it's what we were created to do. But when you rejoice in Christ while suffering, it really shows people that your treasure isn't in anything in this world. Everything uh, can fall apart and you can still sing for joy because Christ is your treasure what will your trials cause you to do? Will it cause you to pray? Or will it cause you to pout? Will it lead you to praise or to protest? Let us look to Jesus in our difficulty and find Paul like joy. So this year, we we want to resolve to rejoice in Christ constantly. Rejoice in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This begins by treasuring Christ every single day. Making this a daily practice on reflecting on the reality that, that, that Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless life in your, in your place. And he died a death that, that you were meant to die. And he conquered an enemy that, that you and I could not conquer ourselves. And he's risen from the grave. Make this a daily practice in your life to remind you. Because here's the reality. We're going to fail. We're going we're to we're blow our resolutions. We're, gonna, we're, go, we're, going, to, we're going to continue to, 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 to deal with sin in our life. And we have to be preaching the gospel to ourselves constantly, over and over and over again. This is what stirs joy and delight in the life of a believer. Next, we want to bring honor to Christ by relying on Christ completely. Verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It doesn't take one long to see, in Paul's writings, his belief in our dependence upon Christ and everything. Once again, he recognizes that if it weren't for the grace of God, he wouldn't even be a Christian. However, I want to emphasize here, what I want to emphasize here is not only Paul's confidence in the sovereignty of God, though we could linger on that, but also on how Paul plans on being sustained in these trials, in his trials. Namely, look at the text, through the prayers of the Philippians and through the Spirit of Christ. Paul knew that that God works through the prayers of His people. Prayer is is the normal means that God uses to provide abundant help to the believer. In the book of Acts, we, we have numerous examples of the church praying for boldness and endurance. In, trials. In, in 2 Corinthians, Paul told the Corinthians that God was uh, using their prayers to help him in his great trials. In Romans, and Ephesians, and Colossians, and the letters to the Thessalonians, you will find Paul imploring the people of God to pray. Paul really believed, like the apostles and early saints, that God uses the prayers of his people to provide strength to his servants. So then in 2022, and, and really throughout our lives, let's ask, our, let's, let's ask others to pray for us. Let's Uh, And let's pray for others. What encouragement it is to know that you have people in your life, in this very faith family, who see the importance of and, and desire to pray for you. And So I think about this. This is really main point number two. Like Paul, we depend on the Spirit of Christ to help us with everything we face in this world. And prayer is how we express that dependency on the Father, or even to the Father. And this is no small matter. Do you remember the line in our church covenant? Let me, let me refresh you on what our covenant says. Together, we will spur one another on to love and good deeds. We will meet with one another consistently, pray for one another regularly, and serve one another selflessly. Praying for one another is central to experiencing what it is, to tr- what it truly means to belong and invest in a local church. And this is not just a commitment you make towards others, but this is also a commitment that, that others have made to you. This is why in our, uh, in our members meetings, when we have new members who, who are here, they stand at the front, the whole church recites this together, and we turn to the prospective members and say, do you commit to live out the spirit of this covenant with your new faith family? I do. And we turn to the congregation and say, faith family, do you Commit to live out the spirit of this covenant with the people, the new members of our faith family. We do. This is a commitment we're making with one another. This is, this is uh, clearly seen in the scriptures. And so we intend for this to be an actual rhythm in the life of Capshaw, not just, not just empty words. So we commit to pray. Because in prayer, prayer is where we find The sweet, sustaining grace of God. Reality is, we won't make it in this life if God doesn't intervene on our behalf. We have a great dependency on Christ. We have a great dependency on the Father. And prayer is the place we express that dependency. And God... Listen to this. God is eager to work through your prayers. We don't just pray to a God who's up in heaven and sort of transcendent. He's up there and we're down here and sort of this detached relationship. No, not only is He transcendent, He is, but He's also imminent. He's here with us. So, Let's be resolved to pray in 2022. Pray for for great things. So, first, we see Paul's resolve to honor Christ um, and depending on the Lord, praising, rejoicing in the Lord, but also by representing Christ courageously. Verses 20 and 21. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Notice in verse 20 that Paul has an eager expectation and hope for what? To honor and magnify Christ with his body, which means there's actual action. He's actually doing something. It's not just up here. It's flowing through here, right? It's flowing through his actions. There is an actual, uh, there's actual doing something. It's not just in his head. And so to love, the, the love of Christ, it compels Paul to courageously live on mission and the same reality compels us to go on the same mission. Paul knew that if he gets out of prison, he, he's going to be zealous to do the work of the ministry. And he also knew that if he dies, then he would be with Christ. But no matter what the costs, Paul had resolved to, to, make, to have a Christ-centered life. His one consuming passion was to live for Christ, not just by his words, but by his actions. You see, our vision at Capshaw is to see God's kingdom advance through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our mission is is that we would together treasure Jesus, become like him together, and share his gospel. So embracing this this mission means that that we are actually going to do something. Again, I I would encourage you to think about this some more. Take some time this week. Take a look at our church covenant, which is on our website under the membership page. Uh, Ask yourselves, how how will I treasure Christ this year? How will I help others see and treasure Christ? Jesus Christ this year? Am I actively involved in community and becoming like Christ with other people inside this said community? Am I being strategic and intentional to share his gospel with other people? Maybe that's your neighbor or your coworker. I'm not sure what that may be. But take some time to reflect on that. Think about what that would be. If you feel like, hey, you know what? I want to do these things, but I feel like I need more training. We have opportunity for you. I mean, things like Capshaw Academy. We're offering two different classes this time around. One of the classes is actually geared towards developing new leaders to to step into leadership roles within the church, to teach, to, to lead groups, or to be a part of a new group being sent out. And so I would just simply ask, are you actively serving others with your time? Are you serving the body of Christ? See, there's more to the Christian life than just coming to worship. And we want you to do that. Let me be clear. There's also more to the Christian life than sitting in a small group or an off-campus group. And by the way, we, we want you to do that. Again, these are part of our mission. Treasuring Jesus means we sit and we, 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 we embrace and we hear the word of God and we hear the gospel and it stirs us to joy. Becoming like him together means we, we sit not just in rows but in circles and we sit around tables together and we, we share community together. We pray for one another. However, if these things don't compel you to honor Christ with your body, to, to actually do something, to actually go to work to serve the Lord, to serve, you know, then I would just simply say something is not registering. There there is a disconnect. All of this flows from treasuring Christ. Joy and delight are the primary driving forces to honoring Christ with our bodies, with our lives. For Paul, This was flowing from a delight in the Lord, not out of obligation. He treasured Christ, which is central to our mission, that you would treasure Christ, that we would treasure Christ, that you would stir me to love Jesus more in 2022. That I would stir you, that we could stir one another to love and good works, like the author of Hebrews reminds us. And in the remaining verses, 22 to 26, we see this really a win-win situation for Paul. Verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. If I live, Christ. If I die, gain. You know, this outlook truly made Paul unstoppable. I can just imagine how frustrating it would have been for the guards of that prison. Just imagine the conversations, right? The guards say, hey, Paul, we don't like you and your Messiah. We're going to kill you. Paul responds, that'd be great. Dying is game. Bring it on. So The guards say, on second thought, we're going to allow you to live. Paul says, fantastic. Living means fruitful, joyous labor. Guards say, well, we're going to let you live, but we're going to make you suffer. Paul says, hey guys, I consider the sufferings of this present world not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. It would fill me with joy to suffer for Christ. I mean, what a perspective. The gospel of Jesus Christ brought delight to Paul's life. Delight that caused him to rejoice. It caused him to rely on Christ. And it caused him to courageously represent Christ. And This is how he honored Christ with his life. Paul was resolved to live for the glory of Christ. His joy in Christ overflowed into a desire for others to increase their joy in Christ. Listen, the purpose of this passage is to not make Paul a hero. Paul is yet depending and relying on the real hero, who is Christ. And verse 25 represents Paul's central concern for the people of Philippi. Don't miss this. This is astounding. If he is able to return and stay, then his aim is to serve them well in the name of Christ. Listen to what it says. For your progress and joy in the faith. Paul's concern for the people of Philippi is that they would increase in their joy in the gospel. Paul wanted to see them mature spiritually. He wanted to see them grow in a deeper understanding and appreciation of the gospel. He also knew that if they increase in joy... The byproduct is they would, in turn, begin to live more Christ-exalting lives for the glory of God. It's a holy cause and effect. When their joy grows in the Lord, more is made of Jesus Christ. In the midst of all of Paul's sufferings was a concern to serve others in order that they might increase in joy and spiritual maturity. and This is a mark of a mature believer. He wasn't consumed with himself. He was consumed with honoring Christ and the joy of others. Which brings me to the final point. A mark of a maturing Christian is a growing desire to serve others and to see them increase in their joy in the Lord. Are you resolved to serve others and see them increase in their joy in the Lord? This is a prayer we have for this church. That we would be a people who are eager to serve others in the name of Christ. As we heard, even momentarily, when we read that portion, that little excerpt from the covenant, Capshaw's covenant, You know, we are covenanting together. There is a commitment to serve one another selflessly, just as we have been served selflessly by Christ himself. This is a mark of a Christ-centered life. And so in closing, I would just say this. Having a real encounter with the gospel is the only thing that can make you resolve to live a Christ-centered life. You can't do it by might or willpower or just by white-knuckling this thing. You can't do it. You see, we too are just like Paul. Before we are found in Christ, the Bible describes us as being enemies of God. All sinners, all deserving eternal separation from God forever. And simply being a good person won't cut it. Because the Bible says that even our very best, the very best that we have is filthy rags. There's enough pride in our very best deeds to condemn us before a holy and righteous God forever and ever. You ever think about that? I once heard a, in a sermon, Votie Bakum, great preacher of the word, gospel. I once heard him say, there's enough pride in my very best sermon to condemn me before a righteous God forever. And that, that phrase has always stuck with me. As someone who, you know, to be honest with you, have a, have a fear of man. Who, Delights in praise. You know? And so, I realize there's enough pride, even in this sermon right here, to condemn me before a righteous God forever. This is nothing like to hold on to. But God, being rich in mercy, did not leave us that way. He provided a way for us to be made right by sending His one and only Son to live a perfect, sinless life in our place. And not only that, but to die a horrific death for us in our place, to be our substitute. And on that cross, Jesus absorbed the holy and white-hot, righteous wrath of God. And not only that, He is raised from the dead on the third day. He he raised from the dead. And the Bible says if we repent of our sins and we turn to Christ, believe this gospel, rest in this gospel, then we can be saved, reconciled to God forever and ever. This is good news. This is good news that you can believe in now. You can rest in this truth now. Listen, there's no better way to start your year off than by believing and resting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing. No resolution holds to this. And guess what? It doesn't stop there. When we become a Christian, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives and resides in us and helps us as we navigate through the brokenness of this world and helps us in our weakness. Rest assured, we will blow it. I will blow it. Those of you who are really close to me or will become really close to me, I will likely sin against you. And I'll have to repent. And Jesus sends his spirit to help us. And so we will blow it. There will be times we blow it, and quite frankly, maybe we just don't feel like having this kind of resolve. This is where we have to remember Christ, the one who holds us fast, the one who pursues us in the darkest places, the one who will never leave you or forsake you, the one who is patient with you one who is gentle and lowly. His spirit testifies with our spirit that we are in fact children of God. The spirit can help us live a life that brings glory and honor to our King Jesus. And the spirit can help us say for to me to live is Christ." And to die is gain. So what will 2022 hold for you? I don't know. But my prayer is that it is filled with rejoicing in the gospel. Relying heavily in Christ. Relying heavily on Christ. To, to, that, that you would lean heavily in prayer. That you would live courageously for Christ And that you would rest in his finished work on your behalf. If you are in Christ, rest in this reality today. That you have a heavenly father who is resolved. And I use that word strategically. To love you and care for you. He has good in mind for you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do praise you, Father, for the way you care and love us. God, we realize, because I think even this sermon, God has a a bit of do more. But, But really, what I want in my own life, what I want in the life of our church is that we would rest more in the finished work of Jesus. And as we rest more in the finished work of Jesus, we would delight more and joy would grow and from that joy would overflow in our lives. God, I pray that for myself. I pray that for my faith family in 2022. God, help us to rest in you being our mighty fortress this morning. And we ask all that in Christ's name, amen.